This is The Practice of Being Seen, Episode 25. The Practice of Being Seen is about understanding who you really are and daring to share your truth with the world. This is a conversation with and for seekers, creators, and holders of transformation. We believe that stories shape relationships, and relationships shape stories. I'm Rebecca Wong, relationship therapist and founder of Connectfulness. I co-host the Practice of Being Seen podcast with Marisa Gowdy, writer and storytelling coach for healers. The information in this podcast is not a substitute for help from a licensed mental health professional. Before we dive into today's show, I'd like to note that much of what we talk about in today's episode is geared at the therapist entrepreneur listeners in our audience. Not all of our episodes are geared specifically at the therapists in our audience, but this one is. If you're a therapist or an entrepreneur or somebody that's just interested in embracing your superpowers and being your own kind of fill in the blank, this episode is for you. And if you're a therapist, you may also notice that we muse a little bit with Annie about the retreat that we have coming up this August 13th to 16th at Menla Mountain. Stay tuned to the end of the episode for a little more on that. And now, the show. Today we're excited to welcome Annie Schusler to the show. Annie is a therapist business consultant and the creator of the Superpower Method for Therapists program and the podcast Therapist Clubhouse. She helps private practice entrepreneurs build profitable and fulfilling businesses by leveraging their unique superpowers. Annie, welcome. Thank you. It's so great to be here with you guys. So I wanted to dive in with you today and talk about therapist superpowers and how Mm. they discover them. Mm Mm-hmm. I love it. Love to talk about it. So how did you get that word? Where did superpowers come through for you? Well, that's a great question. One thing is that I love superheroes, you know, like I just watched Wonder Woman. I love the idea of, you know, superheroes. I was just talking to my family last night about my youngest asked, what superpowers would you pick if you could have anything, but you could only have three I love the playfulness of it. So that's the word. I think that's how the word got drawn to me. There's something really magical about it. And then the whole idea of superpowers was about realizing that when we build our practices, when we think about what kind of businesses we want to create, when we think about what kind of therapists we want to be, I find that we're the very most powerful when we're really grounded in what's unique about us. So that it's not about trying to be better. It's not about trying to compete, but it's about really going deeply into understanding yourself and understanding what's awesome about you and what's really different about you. And I think that being aware of how you're different is so much more important than being aware of like how you're better. Oh, I love that. You know, I think that just so speaks to our practice of being seen ideology we are always talking about in order to see out, you have to be able to see in. In other words, in order to know who your ideal client is in many ways, you have to really know yourself. I kind of feel like there's even a bit of whomever it is you're serving, whoever that tribe is that your message is really going to hit, there's elements of you that show up rippling through that. 
Mm-hmm. I think that's so often true. And then sometimes I think there's something in you that someone needs to be with. And whether it's because it mirrors something in them or whether it's because it's something that they're kind of craving or needing for a different reason, it's important for them to be able to find that thing in you. And so if you're inadvertently kind of hiding a part of yourself and not being deeply aware of what's awesome and unique about you, then they're not going to be able to find it. I love that. It's shining the light right on who you are too, bringing you into the room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Marisa, help me out here a little bit because I have a feeling that what Annie is talking about and what Annie is so magically attuned to is also very resonant with what we're creating a space for on our retreat this summer. Mm, absolutely. It feels, it feels like we're dancing in here all together, coast to coast. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. You know, as I'm hearing what Annie's saying, there's that idea of, you know, when I'm working with a client to write their website, you know, so often what the question we're getting to is, you know, why would they pick you? And, you know, that's what you're guiding them to say, like, this is me and this is why I'd be a choice for you. And that it gets into the dance of, as you were saying, you know, really being able to stand so firmly in who you are, like I just can't help but think about Amy Cuddy's work with presence and that Wonder Woman stance, right? And when you yes. really are rooted into the earth, you know your kind of your patch of the planet and what you stand for. And then you're able to turn that mirror so that people can see themselves. And that's so much of what we're going to be doing on the retreat is helping people get grounded into themselves and their stories through body work and through some personal writing, and then talk about how it's going to help people build their practices by really being able to connect with those clients who need us, that certain clinician to help them and support them. Yes. Yes. And I'm sure you have a ton of ways to help people access this. For me, some of the ways that I like to help people access these things about themselves are sometimes very direct and sometimes a little bit sideways because different things work for different people. So one question that I have people delve into is what is it, and this might sound like, whoa, why would you ask them that? One thing I have people ask themselves is what is too much about me? Like what have I been told over and over again? Mm. Oh my gosh, you're too this way or you're not enough that way. Usually it's too much. You're too this way and you need to just amp it down. And you heard that maybe as a kid or you heard it at different times in your life And you may have internalized it and you may have started kind of hiding that part of you. And that is a place where your superpower really lies. So I love that. I love how you're taking this place where someone's really hidden, where they've really kind Mm -hmm. of gone inwards and they've said like, these are the parts of me that are outwardly judged. And so I'm going to tuck them away and I'm not going to embody them. Yeah. I've been told to stop it, to kind of be less. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so mm-hmm. much. So yeah. much. So maybe it's like you're too bossy. <laughs> you've been told you're too bossy. Or you've been told like you're too, like for me, it was you're too sensitive. Like I was so often called like a crybaby. You're too sensitive. Or for me also, you analyze things too much. Like, you know, there's a time when you got to just stop asking why and just deal with it. And so as a young kid, I heard that stuff. And learned to buck up a little bit, learned to hide it a little bit, 
And then it's taken a long time to look at those parts, embrace them and nurture them and get better at using them. Yeah. And I can't help but think about so many of these superhero stories where they didn't necessarily just like bounce out of the cradle with all of these fully understood and fully realized powers, right? There was often that amount of hiding and shaming that went into their story before they could emerge as who they really are and how they could really serve and help. Yeah, like there might be a power that there is sort of a shadow side to that you have to keep in check, but you've got to embrace it and learn it and use it. I'm thinking about that. You know, one of the things that someone may have told me that I was always too much of is that I'm too direct or something along those lines. And yet Mm. in my work, it's sometimes that's the stuff that creates the most magic in Mm -hmm. when I'm in the room with my clients. So I love where you're going Mm. with this. Yeah. Right. And if you try to just not use that, it would be such a waste. But then I'm sure like you're a very kind person you have a softness to you. I'm sure that you've learned how to use the directness in the most healing way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I think I also probably have learned how to use it in a really wonderful healing way when I'm with clients. And maybe I still struggle with it in the, my personal life sometimes, you know, because we right. can embody it differently in different places in our lives. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that the same thing that we can embody and that can be the magic in a healing space might not also be something we're stumbling and awkward with in the rest of our lives. I think that's a huge reason why so much of the practice of being seen work and what we're thinking about on the retreat is really greeting and holding the whole person and understanding the clinician as human on a journey first, and then really understanding how that gets brought into session and how that gets brought into marketing. I know that's really the focus of so much deep and important work as we say, okay, who are you? What do you need? Mm-hmm. Where are your mismatches? How can we find kind of the glory in that friction and the really interesting stories? Because if we were all fully perfect all the time, what are you going to say? Like, come see me because I'm awesome? Like, you right, know, as you said right. at the beginning, it's what's unique about you, not what's better. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's very attractive to our right fit clients to see us as having at least some messiness, like being in the journey ourselves. Yeah. I think our messiness is what makes us human. It's what makes us relatable. It's what, you know, and it also is what makes us vulnerable, but those vulnerable points, that's where trust is built. That's where Mm -hmm. people feel like they can get in and they can connect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So Annie, let's flip this around for a minute. Let's talk Mm -hmm. a little bit about some of your superpowers and how you discovered these pieces of you and why you do the work that you do. Okay. Yeah. So for me, it's interesting because I kind of mentioned how I started noticing a couple of my superpowers being something about being sensitive Mm -hmm. and that what that means when I really take it on and when I really ground myself in it, what it means is that I'm sensitive to others as well, that I can really read people's emotions and that I can really understand highly sensitive people really easily. And it means sometimes that I can tap into my own emotions really quickly. So I used to see that as really a weakness, like I can cry easily. And how embarrassing is that? Like that can come up at the wrong moment. But then realizing over time, as I got stronger and as I got more in touch with myself, Not that I'm like 
all the way there, but realizing tears are really powerful that when you let yourself cry at certain moments, it can be actually really healing, not just for you, but for other people as well. Yeah. It's permission giving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so funny because I just told you like I was called a crybaby as a kid. And that's exactly the thing (laughs) that you weren't given. You weren't given permission to have those tears. Yes. Absolutely. And yet when you cry and someone can witness that, when those tears show up within you even, it's as if you're giving somebody else permission to embrace those parts of themselves also. Yeah. So it could show up in a lot of different ways. One way that one could show up is if I'm with a client and they're feeling tons of grief or sadness, and then I well up, and I'm sure this has happened to tons of us, I well up and then there's a feeling of we're together. There's a feeling of like, we're in this together mm-hmm. and it's safe to go really deeply into your feelings of grief right now. You know, I'm just going on a tangent there a little bit, but I'm also thinking that for certain clients who have a hard time connecting to their feelings and like you maybe have been told that they were crybabies and weren't given permission to go to those places, when they're sitting in a space and someone is deeply attuned and listening to them and welling up because they're connected to their own feelings around this experience, that's like a mirror moment there too. That's a point where the person, the client, can really just see themselves reflected back in a way that maybe they've never been able to before. Yeah, I think that's really right, Rebecca. Yeah. And then I think some superpowers, like I know for me and for so many therapists I've worked with, some superpowers are also related to identity. So like for me, I'm a queer woman and, you know, I'm married to a woman for the last 17 years. And there's some superpower that comes up in our identities, in the things that each of us have been living in the world with and the kind of the hard one courage or strength that we have drawn from all of those experiences. Mm -hmm. Can you go a little deeper there? Because identity is something that I hear so many of our colleagues, so many other therapists kind of like always talking about, like they're having some kind of identity crisis. They're wondering if they are frauds. They're wondering if, Mm -hmm. you know, like identity comes up in so many different ways. I've heard marriage and family therapists or couples counselors who have gone through divorces or something along those lines, thinking that they can't do couples work anymore. You know, like there's a whole range of topics around identity that Mm -hmm. show up there. And I wonder if you can ease us into that conversation because I think there's so many different ways for us to embody those parts of our identity. Yeah. So for me, the identity stuff around being queer is not so much that it means like only queer people would want to work with me or that it's always directly about me being queer. But I think that there, sometimes that's absolutely true where someone wants to see me because they feel like, you know, you're going to be able to understand my experience. You're not going to have to, yeah, I won't have to explain it. I won't have to translate. So there's that, that we could think of as a superpower. And then there's also though, I think for all of us who in any way are living outside of the mainstream or outside of norms, people of color, queer people, people who you know grew up without money, that there are ways that we have become strong in certain places because of those experiences. And so 
that's part of what I mean by identity. Mm. I'd love to hear if there's any kind of overlaps too with you know the, that holding of personal identity and then the way that the broader culture may have defined certain identities. Mm-hmm. There has to be some tension in there sometimes as well as a strength. Mm-hmm. And so, Marisa, are you kind of talking about how people can get labeled? Yeah, um, that's why the yeah. perfect word for it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so sometimes we really decide to hold those identities and hold them up. Like right now, as we're recording this, it's Pride Month. So mm. this is really on my mind that sometimes we might really want to hold up those identities and step into those communities very intentionally. And then, yeah, sometimes these labels get put on us and usually pretty incorrectly, right? Mm -hmm. It reminds me of a quote that I keep coming back to that Jonathan Fields had said at Camp JLP that Marisa and I had gone to last summer, where he was talking about, if you don't label yourself, they're going to do it for you. Yeah. Right? Um, And they're probably going to get it wrong. So go ahead and put that label on yourself because you have a much better chance than of people remembering you the way you want to be remembered. And I think Mm -hmm. when it really comes down to it, that's what identity is about. It's about what boxes do we live in? Where do we want people to associate us? Yes. I think that's where it becomes for me to label myself a queer woman and to hold on to what that means to me and to talk about it and be grounded in it. That gives me so much more power that I can use for good than if I try to be silent or if I allow others to define me. Mm. Yeah. Things that I think about that sometimes comes up as like when people would be responding against labels, like because they feel like they're Mm -hmm. too restrictive and too confining is Mm -hmm. looking at choosing a label that feels broad and expansive enough for you that it isn't just like, I am a mother. You know, I think there's Mm -hmm. hugeness in that, but that also can feel too confining because so often we have these hyphenated identities that encompass so much more than this is what I'm doing in this part of my day, even if it's the major part of my day. Yeah, that's interesting. I really respect other people who use this label, but I never use the label mamapreneur because for me, I feel like even though I am, I'm a mama, I'm an entrepreneur, but that's one that I kind of chafe against because I feel like, oh, people are going to think this, this, and this about me that isn't really who I am. So I don't choose to like use that label. Mm -hmm. I've had a dance with that one myself. For you, what is the negative side of that one for you? I think that there was some concern around feeling like I would be taken seriously enough that, Mm. you know, that there's, I think there's a sense of maybe a perceived sense of smallness in the mamapreneur thing, because that also includes, you know, there's women who do amazing things with something like a network marketing or, you know, representing a brand. That is a huge part of that identity. And for me, it's not who I was. And I was drawing that crowd toward me. And I'm like, you know, really what you do is awesome, but I'm here to help you tell a completely original story from the ground up. And it doesn't necessarily work with, you know, a set brand that helps you sell these really awesome leggings or something like that. (laughs) And, and so that was one of my things was, Oh, I think that I want to be included with 
this group, not that group. So I went with more the creative entrepreneur side of things because Mm -hmm. I recognized our commonalities were about building from the ground up something that never existed before you imagined it rather than saying we're together in this because we're moms. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that that's kind of where it all comes back to what does it mean to me that you were talking about a little while ago, Annie, as you were talking about identifying yourself as a queer woman. I think these are also really important pieces to know, like, what does that mean to me? Like, what does that mean to you? And why is it that you're comfortable putting yourself in this box versus that box? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And part of it for me is I notice with a lot of therapists, and I notice this for myself, that when our right fit clients are craving that kind of ability in us to be able to kind of notice who we are, label ourselves when it feels empowering. If that's what they're trying to learn how to do, then they're really drawn to it. Yeah. And I have a feeling that that's what almost every client is seeking to do. I mean, when Mm. I break it down and I look at why people come to therapy, Mm -hmm. like the overarching place that I always end up coming back to is that everybody wants to feel like they belong. And they need a place to feel that. And so if we're niching ourselves in and we're claiming an identity and saying, this is who I am, it makes it a little easier for someone who doesn't know us to say, oh, I feel like I can belong here. Yeah. I love that. And then there's this weird thing that happens, this weird, great thing that happens, I think, that when we feel really grounded in who we are and we feel clear on what we want to put out there, then we can also really shift and we can be in transformation all the time. Yes. And we can claim that transformation, that that can be a piece of who we are. You know, one of the things that Marisa and I often talk about is that we're talking to transformation professionals, which means, or people who are seeking transformation in their lives. So, you know, whether you are in the transformation business, you're a coach or a healer, you're a therapist, Mm -hmm. or you're someone who's just constantly craving personal growth and transformation, then you're part of our tribe then. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, because I'm always in transformation. I mean, I'm always, just like my clients are, I'm always really working on something new and, you know, getting my teeth into something new and being a little bit obsessed with it. So yeah, it's not that we figure ourselves out and then I think we're done. Like, all right, did the branding piece, figured out my superpowers. (laughs) We're always shifting constantly. And then we figure (laughs) out a piece of the branding and then we develop more superpowers because we don't stop growing. Yeah. Yeah. And the magic in so much of that too is through all that transformation. So often you find you're becoming more and more grounded into yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think we grow roots as we grow branches. Right. And so we're more able to go through those wins and everything that buffets us and all the transformation happening because it's like, okay, I've learned a little something more about myself, who I am, what part of the planet I need to claim with each new iteration of my brand, of my personal label, of, you know, where my personal life is right now. Absolutely. I love that. I just jotted that down, Marie. So we grow roots (laughs) as we grow branches Mm -hmm. or branches as we grow roots, whichever way it goes, it works. (laughs) It's a both and at the same time. I think, you, I mean, you do them together, right? Because if you're so busy rooting in, you know, you're not focusing on growing those branches that grow the leaves that pull in the sunlight and get new input and allow you to, you know, be seen 
and to thrive outside the ground, then it won't work. And if you focus too much on the show and I'm creating all this amazing foliage, but you're not thinking about how you're rooting in, the whole tree's going to fall over. So it's really one of those working on both sides, which is seen and that which is unseen and being in that dance and knowing we do really need to engage in the both in that case. Ooh, that's really good. I also feel like it could be a tree. And then another thing is like being an awkward adolescent. When you were talking about, you're just like growing too much foliage. It makes me think of like when, when I'm really growing, like for me in the past year of putting out a podcast and like coming forward more and more, it's also very awkward. Like there's a way that while I'm growing and transforming, I'm also not always comfortable. Like it can give me stomach cramps mm. sometimes to be like doing what I need to do, putting myself out there and growing and transforming. God, this stuff is so hard. <laughs> to do it so in beautiful. the public. Yeah. I mean, I've actually had written a lot about this a couple years ago. I think before Rebecca and I really got together and started doing this work, I was super engaged with that idea of how you can, you know, show up and make online appearances, either when you're going through tremendous personal shift or professional shift, or when things just kind of suck, you know, Mm -hmm. how do Mm -hmm. you balance that? And I think it's, it's something that's always been demanded of us, but especially in this, you know, entrepreneurial digital age where you've got commitments, whether it's to a weekly podcast or it's a weekly blog post, or it's just showing up for your list. How do you continue to show up authentically and not bleed all over the page. Yeah, kind of like we would in therapy, holding mm-hmm. our boundaries and not right, not bleeding on the page, not asking our audience for reassurance. Not asking the exactly. audience or the client yeah. to hold you, to, yeah. to be able to do yeah. your own work where you're healed enough. Yeah, and you're getting tons of support from the right people, right? Like you're getting tons of support from your inner circle. And I think so much of it goes down to knowing your roots and knowing your safe places and even knowing your safe stories that there is, you know, I mean, just from the content perspective of saying, you know what, you've been writing and producing podcasts and doing all these things probably for years, Mm -hmm. go back to that library and recognize like that right there, that's true enough. That's true today. It was true three years ago. It can be true today. Hit send. And go, <laughs> go through whatever journey it is you need to today and trust that you've built something for yourself. And even if you haven't been in business for a long time, if you don't have a blog post going back years, what's in a journal? What's in notes from a conference you attended? What's in notes from previous, you know, I know Rebecca keeps a journal of after speaking with clients, you know, that, and she doesn't share any details, but Rebecca, maybe that's something you could talk into about going back to clinical experiences. So I talk about this with a lot of my consultation clients. I talk about looking for threads. Like, you know, if you were to have a piece of fabric, that's kind of, you have a thread and if you yank on it, kind of more and more comes out. So Mm -hmm. I'm always looking for threads and I'm looking for threads in my own life. I'm looking for threads whenever I talk to clients. I'm looking for threads when I'm sitting in sessions. And so I keep a small little journal with me. I typically like tuck it into my little clinical chair wherever I sit, which moves around in my office. I don't sit in just one place. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I bring this little journal with me and it just kind of sits next to me. A lot of my clients use journals 
in session two. So it's no big deal. It's something that we all want to kind of hold on to little moments. Mm-hmm. And I'll just jot things down. Like if I say something and I'm like, whoa, like I want to hold that moment. That was a really good thing I said. Or if my client says something and it's something that really resonates on a deep level because I know that like I heard that from four other clients this week. Those are the types of things that I'm just going to write down. It's usually just a phrase. Certainly when I'm on an intake call with somebody new, I'm writing down phrases there too. And those phrases over time, they become the threads that create an entire story. They outline who my client is and how I show up with them. Yes. Yeah. So I just do a collection. I do it slowly. I do it over time. I don't rush the process. I don't make it really hard on myself. But I just try to be present when I notice I have those moments. I try to write them down in the moment so that I don't lose them. And that's a Mm -hmm. way that you're in the story because you're recording and you're noticing, but it doesn't need to be about your story right now if you're living through some version of hell. Yeah. 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 Oh. Absolutely. That's interesting. It reminds me of one thing that I have therapists do. And when I have them do this, they usually really hate me during it, which is having them delve and actually doing something in combination with the journal that you just talked about would be great for this. But I have them delve into the clients that they've most loved working with. And I have them go through a whole bunch of questions and really go deeply into those experiences And yeah, it's gold. It's what they can then build their entire businesses around if they're willing to go deep. And that's why they end up hating me during it is like, it's it's hard work. (laughs) You you have that problem too? (laughs) You know, we had an interview with Marcia Shandor, who's a storytelling coach. And I just can always hear her in my head saying, well, how did you feel? How did you feel? How did you feel? And that Mm -hmm. idea of using that phrase helps people elicit a really deep story to tell, you know, whether it's on the stage or on the page. But I would imagine that when you're trying to get someone to get really deep into describing and understanding their right fit clients, it's not just about, well, they read this magazine and they do this and that. And it's like, how did you feel when you were with them? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What do they tend to leave feeling also? I think it's another big piece. Mm -hmm. How do they come in? How do they leave? Mm-hmm. And sometimes yeah. it's hard for people to remember with their really precious clients who they've been working with for a long time. It's hard for them to remember what they were like, what they were feeling and going through when they first came in. Right. Right. But so important. Tracking yeah. their transformation. Yeah. But I think tracking that kind of transformation over time is a lot harder than tracking it in the moment. Like mm-hmm. if I have a client come in, say for a first session, who's feeling all distraught and they are feeling really lost. And then when they leave that first session, they say, wow, it feels really good to have had this conversation and maybe add something else to that. That's a little bit easier for me to track Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because it's all happening in that moment. But if I keep, you know, this little journal and I start tracking those moments, like what did the client say when they left the office? Mm -hmm. It becomes easier for me to see that transformation too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. There's one thing I wanted to make sure we got to talk with you about, Annie, before we close today. And that was the idea of the entrepreneurial spirit. Because Mm. I think that just seems like, you know, how do superpowers and entrepreneurial spirit kind of work together? Mm, Yeah, that's a great question. I love that. I mean, one thing I think 
that can happen is that we think of an entrepreneur in a certain way. And so then we think we're not one (laughs) because (laughs) our view of ourselves doesn't match with that. So I think part of the entrepreneurial spirit can come, I mean, we're lucky, right? I get to work with people when they're really wanting to become entrepreneurs. And so in that way, either they're already seeing themselves as entrepreneurs or they're like craving it and ready to step into it. Embracing your superpowers and seeing those as part of being an entrepreneur, that being your kind of entrepreneur, I think can be very magical of seeing, okay, so I can actually be more of me instead of trying to be different from me and become an entrepreneur. I can be more of me and step into embracing bringing in more income, embracing running this as a business at the same time as I'm doing even better work than I was before. So it seems to have kind of resonance on both the level of how you create and build your business and maybe it's multiple streams of income or just, you know, how you're attracting clients. And then it seems to have an effect on what happens when you're in the room and with clients to a certain degree. I feel like, I mean, spirit always kind of weaves in and out of everything we do, right? Mm -hmm. That's really true. I think embracing both our superpowers and stepping into feeling comfortable being entrepreneurs and feeling excited about being entrepreneurs. I think it does. Of course, it ends up making us a lot more money and it makes us a lot more creative about how we can make money and all the different ways we can serve people, including, you know, maybe you just want to see clients in your office. That's awesome. I think that's always going to be an option. Mm -hmm. But yeah, maybe you want to add a workshop or you want to bring in other clinicians or all these other wonderful things people can do. And then I think you're right. I think being really comfortable with those things impacts what happens right there in the room, even if the person we're working with has no idea what's going on behind the scenes, because we're just sitting in a more grounded way. We're more comfortable with money when money comes up. And that's really healing and transformative, not just for us, but for our clients too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I have found that a lot of the business decisions I've made over the years have really shifted how I practice Mm. in a clinical way. So I think that's kind of what you're getting at there, too, in some ways, is that, you know, just to be more of ourselves. I heard you say, be more of me. And Mm -hmm. it's interesting because when we had Terry Reel on a little while ago, one of the things that he talked about, I forget who he was quoting in this moment, but he said, that one of the signs of a senior, an ex, a really masterful clinician is that they're the same person walking across their bedroom as they are when they walk into the therapy room. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm just kind of Mm -hmm. holding that in this notion of entrepreneurship is even leaning into being more of who you are. Yeah. 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 And if you've got stuff around money, that's kind of unexamined or stuff around business that's unexamined, I think that does impact you when you're walking across your bedroom or when you're sitting in your therapy chair. Yes. Yeah. And and this is a call to examine it. It's a call to shine mm-hmm. the light and to do the work so that you can be more successful. Yeah, just like we would with everything else, right? Like just like we would with relationships or with mm-hmm. health or with grief Parenting or anything else. Or, yes. All of it. Whatever yeah. whatever is getting in that soup and making a mess. 
we want to lean in and take a look at it. Yeah. We have to do that around business and money too. It's, yeah, yeah it makes so much sense. And I think that's the definition of superpower right there. It's that mm. willingness to look in. Mm-hmm. Mm. I want to land here because I feel like it's just such a powerful place to land. These reminders of what are these things that are showing up and saying, hello, look at me. You have a little bit of work to do here so that you can hold space even more, that you mm-hmm. can be more of you. So I just want to thank you for this conversation. And could you let our listeners know where they can find you? Thank you both so much. Yeah, so come check out some free resources that I have for you at coachingwithannie.com. That would be a good spot. And then you also have a podcast. And since our listeners are listening, they might want to listen to you too. So your podcast. And I had the wonderful Rebecca Wong on recently. So yes. (laughs) (laughs) We're dancing with each other even more. Your podcast is called Therapist Clubhouse. Yeah. And so I think our listeners should go check you out there too. That would be great. I would love to have you in the clubhouse. (laughs) It's a really fun clubhouse, too. (laughs) Annie, thanks again. We really enjoyed it. Thanks so much. Thanks, Marisa. Thanks, Rebecca. Oh, I got so much out of that conversation today with Annie. You know, talking about embracing your own superpowers and being your kind of entrepreneur. Talking about our revision retreat that's coming up this August 13th to 16th at Menla Mountain. In the Catskills of New York, it's just so gorgeous this time of year, and I I hope many of you can come join us. We have swag coming in from like some of the most amazing places, and I'm getting so crazy excited about this. I need I need you guys to share it with me. So please check out practiceofbeingseen.com/events. We still have a few spaces left. Also, we just reduced the price. I don't know how we managed to do that, but we did. So if you haven't already checked it out, or if you did and the price scared you away, check it out again, because it's like crazy affordable for everything that you're getting. I mean, it includes accommodations, three meals a day, massages, tons of deep dives with Marisa and I, nature hikes, yoga classes, the list goes on. So check it out, practiceofbeingseen.com slash events. And if you loved the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes or your favorite podcasting platform. We'd love for you to help us spread the word. Music written and performed by Christopher Ferris and produced at Kidneystone Studio. See you next week.